0: We're back here on the First Cup Podcast with Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Kyle Porter. And uh, and excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Are you? Listen. Oh, I have to give you the proper introduction, Kyle. Online golf writer Kyle Porter joins <laughs> me on the podcast. We need to get down to the heart of the matter. Kevin Nah, we have so much love for you and what you were able to do at the Greenbrier. We have other Greenbrier takes, uh, but one of the biggest... Uh, one of the one of the biggest headlines out of golf since we last met you uh, here in the podcast Airwaves was the announcement of uh, a big money golf match between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson um, and it is being uh, alleged as it just being mere manufactured hype. I don't know if certain legendary uh, authors <laughs> And golf writers are specifically coming for Kyle Porter when they referred to them as an online golf writer. But will you defend this as the golf event or the golf television event of the year?
1: Yeah, there's some things being written. I don't know if they're about me. They seem to be about me. Uh, That might be giving myself far too much credit. I did write that a potential Phil Tiger $10 million match would be the golf television event of the year. And, uh, technically I believe that would be true because I believe that it would be the highest rated uh, golf television event uh, of 2018 if it happens. I think it'd be a, uh, I think it would get a higher rating than the final round of the masters which is gonna end up being and uh, almost always is uh, the highest rated uh, day of, of golf viewing for the year. so I, I don't really know what was controversial about saying that. Uh, I think people, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, do you disagree? Do, do you disagree with that?
0: I mean, if they are going to be playing for $10 million, um, then that is as much as what, like that's almost a majors purse, right? Like we're yeah, did, we we like, did with the yeah. U S open was 12 million for the whole purse winner ended up taking home like 2.2 or 2.3 or something like that. If, if this is a mono for ten million dollars, and I'm I'm assuming charities are involved with this, right?
1: Well, first of all, who's putting up ten mil? Like, how are who's like? Where's the ten mil coming from? Are they each putting up five million? No, I like the. Uh, my presumption is that the ten mil is coming from outside sources. Mm. Hashtag sources, right? Um, uh, but I, I don't know if that's like. Is it pay-per-view? Is it... See, Here, here's sort of my working theory on all this. I think that... I think pieces of this are... So, so Alan Shipna did a great job reporting this out of the Phil camp last week that Phil and Tiger uh, either want to play for 10 mil or going to play for 10 mil. It was a little... It was a little ambiguous in terms of like what's happening. I think pieces of this are in place. Uh, as in, I think Phil and Tiger have agreed to it. And I think that there's a lot of moving parts to something like this. You got to get a course, you got to get a host, you got to get somebody to print tickets to do the TV. There's just a lot going on. And I think a lot of it is in place, but I don't think all of it is in place. And I think Phil sort of leaking this is this uh, kind of uh, weather balloon test of like, hey, is this you know, is there a lot of interest in this? Is it something that could work? You know, I, to, to, I, I think to generate buzz around it, to take to the people that they need to take it to, to make it happen, uh, to, to get those people on board and actually make it happen. Like, so,
0: yeah, what it's going to take, I, what it's going to take for the $10 million is going to require a lot more evidence that people are excited about it. And this is a good way to it, test that.
1: Yeah, and and there was yeah. that whole thing about like, oh, it was supposed to happen on July 3rd, and it was like, wh- "What? Like what what does that mean? Like you and Tiger wanted it to happen on July 3rd or like what I I don't know. Like there's I, I don't it it's it's interesting, but there's going to have to be a lot more stuff locked down before it actually happens.
0: But would you say that as an online golf writer you were panting at the prospects of this? <laughs>
1: Anytime Phil Mickelson is mic'd up with a golf club in his hands. Yes, I'm panting. I am. I'm panting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, like you could pit Phil against uh, Sean Martin and put a microphone on both of them and I would be panting. Yeah. Uh, you could put, you could throw Phil on. Shout out to Sean like, Martin. Yeah, you could throw him in the, uh, like, just on the band and dunes little pitch and putt area and i'd be panting if he had a microphone on and it was televised so yes of course i'm panting over the idea of phil mickelson playing for millions of dollars against the greatest golfer of all time and both of them being mic'd up
0: what oh what about the um idea that even holding this event is um the like i the the word the phrase i saw was dangerous uh for a sport i don't think that I don't think that any event (laughs) that generates interest should be considered dangerous. Um, But I, I feel like there, that argument though is, is lodged with, you know, you are, you are overshadowing, you are usurping the mate, you know, you are somehow uh, belittling all of these other events where all of that interest needs to be focused. We haven't had, like there was an era of where these kinds of golf exhibitions were popular, we haven't had something like that in a while. But I, I mean, I even described to you that one of my takeaways from the Quicken Loans National is that just just watching Tiger Woods kind of feels like it's a sideshow in itself at a lot of these tournaments.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, I, I thought it was really interesting. One of my friends, who I probably shouldn't name, floated the idea that, like, what if this is what pro golf becomes again? Yeah. Like, what if it's more like wrestling than what we know to be pro golf? And I, I don't, I, I don't think that it ever like gets to that point. But the reality, and I've said this for the last three or four years, you have like twelve characters that matter. And if, and if you have, let's say you take those twelve char- characters out of the PGA Tour and create this sort of barnstorming exhibition uh, type league or i don't know whatever you want to call it guess what there's there's a lot more interest in that than there is in the pga tour
0: aren't you more interested in watching whether or not uh you know w- whether or not rory can battle back from 11th place in the standings over the final three <laughs> weeks of the 12 yes. 12 12 person thing than tuning in to see uh, you know, whether Xander Shoffley is going to be able to win his ninth straight PGA tour event.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Do you like and how I took the out thing. the 12 best golfers and now Xander's running the tour? Here's what, he, yeah,
1: he, that's, that's a great call. Here's what I conflated it with. So and this made absolutely no sense in my head and then made even less sense when I actually typed it out and sent it to these guys. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. Anyway, I sort of likened it to like, the champions league so Mm. in soccer and you you send and i don't know if you have i don't know how any of this works like we're just this is this is not even like half baked stuff it's like still like putting the ingredients in the bowl stuff we're getting salmon Um, okay so you have like maybe it's equipment companies that are able to send their top guy to this champions league uh every year and then you have you have relegation obviously I know it's not technically relegation in the Champions League but you have teams that go in and out based on how they did in in their regular season and I don't know like there, there's just there's something there that uh, yes maybe it's a sideshow maybe it's exhibition stuff but man isn't there I I <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's manufactured, maybe whatever, but it just feels like there's, it feels like there's something there. Like the way that people reacted when this was announced, uh, it feels like it could be something into the future.
0: I don't think that it is. Um, I, I don't think it's intellectually honest to be so against the idea of opening up uh, another realm where there are these, uh, these exhibitions, these, you know, matchups, whether they be for attention, for money, for charity, uh, because we're already operating in a sport that has no Lord. It's got no one uh, power or body. We're already dealing with a sport where players are bouncing between uh, the PGA Tour, the European Tour, where you're going and uh, you're playing events in different parts of the countries, are uh, all of our major championships are organized by different governing bodies. Like there is already uh, so much uh, dispersion among the the power and the money in the sport that I don't I don't think it is dangerous at all for to I- introduce yet another avenue. It would be yeah another option. Uh, another decision that some of these top players in the world have to make. But to your point, they're, we're talking about a dozen, maybe you know, a dozen kind of players that would be in the mix for these kinds of exhibitions. And at this point in Tiger Woods's career, at this point in Phil Mickelson's career, it's not a bad idea to capitalize on the thing that they have probably more than the talent and the on course success, and that is the draw.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean. And for the people that are like, is this what we want golf to become? It's like you ever read about Walter Hagen. Like you, (laughs) have you ever read about like Gene Sarazen? Right. You ever read anything about the early 1900s? Because this is what golf has been. It's what I mean, guys. You know, they 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 did they played exhibitions like this to make money because there was more money in that than there was on whatever the PGA tour looked like at the time. And so it's certainly become more organized at the highest level. And that's a good thing, I think, but I think your point about the majors being governed by four different bodies, uh, sort of underscores the entire point here is that there's not a true devotion to a singular entity like there is with the NBA or the NFL. I mean, think about like, what if the NFL's, um, like, uh, like what if their playoffs were, were governed by like a different body than the NFL? How insane would that right.
0: be? Like it, you would just be, uh, it, it would lessen, uh, the feeling of accomplishment for having
1: won it. Yeah. It'd be like, well, we're going to let, um, uh, the XFL run the AFC championship <laughs> and we're gonna let uh, Deloitte run the NFC Championship, <laughs> and then <laughs> I mean it—it it, it would be—it would be crazy. And yeah. so I—I I just I think that there, yes, there's a lot of tradition in golf, but uh, I just think if you can make something like this, I mean, am I more interested in watching uh, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and Dustin Johnson play a match at? Cyprus with l- limited galleries, or am I more interested in watching the third round of the Greenbrier? Yeah, it's it's not it's not difficult, um, you know. And I I just I I don't know. I I thought that the I thought the conversation that the Tiger Phil news created was super interesting and something that uh, I think the top guys should uh, should certainly think about and and uh, hopefully participate in over the over the coming years. And you know this can get Uh, like the world series of golf thing where you took the four major winners at the end of the year, like it was kind of weird and dumb. And I mean, you always had somebody like, I don't know, uh, I, I I can't even think of a bat, Danny Willett in it or whatever. And so it just, it never was, it never like hooked you. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so I think, I think if you do it poorly, it can go pretty, pretty badly. Uh, but if you do it well, and especially if Tiger and Phil are involved, I, I think it can be a pretty cool thing.
0: Tiger and Phil, who who are you setting as the Vegas favorite and who would you be betting on?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. I think Tiger's gotta be the Vegas favorite. I right? think so. Yeah. That's what I was
0: thinking. I was I was thinking Tiger might catch a minus one twenty five.
1: Yeah. And I would probably I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be the one to bet against Phil in a high stakes money match <laughs> yes, I was that's televised. <laughs> like, that's not like I'm either not betting or I'm betting on Phil. Especially with no plus way.
0: odds, yeah, a plus odds Phil in Tiger Phil <laughs> Big Money TV, yeah, no, that's that. Like, I am racing to the window to get that one in. But
1: the the implications of the the, the implications of this are are incredible, right? Like, you could have different games going on you could have uh i mean just the television stuff alone like just with them uh talking back and forth and the stuff you would pick up on microphones and um i mean we could play sandy's greenies murphy's (laughs)
0: polies any just you know just anything for the dots for cash whatever yeah
1: it would it would be it would be you could interview them while the match is going on. Phil could be talking about how well this isn't that hard of a shot and this really isn't that much money and <laughs> I mean all the all the memes just come to life. It, it, it's uh, it's pretty cool to think about because we get into this routine every week of the same thing and you know I, I was I was watching the Irish Open and uh, they've got. They're doing on-course interviews during the tournament. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Good for you, European tour. You know, be innovative. Don't just follow the same playbook because you're scared to uh, maybe do something wrong or fail or whatever. You're going to get made fun of. Of course you are. That's the whole – that's part of the deal. But you're also going to hit on some stuff that's that's uh, really innovative and interesting, and that um, really galvanizes your audience.
0: Uh, speaking of doing something wrong, uh, Phil Mickelson, while his name is all in the news for this, he uh, catches another two-stroke penalty on Sunday at the Greenbrier. Are you enjoying the like fully? Like a golfer, any golfer, or any person who plays the game of golf has probably has at some point, uh, realized and had a moment of realization that they've really lost focus. And then you, you work mentally to be able to, to find, to get yourself back in a good place to finish the round. Uh, I am, I, I am worried that we are going to get too inundated with these, uh, Phil losing his mind type moments. We're going to get too many of them too often, and then we're going to grow tired of it.
1: Yeah, there there can be a little bit of like is is he a self-parody at this point? You right. know, like we've we've seen um in other industries, not necessarily even in sports, where you're kind of just like is he is he parodying himself or is this real? Like I, I don't know what. And and there's always been a little bit of that with Phil. I, I think one of the one of my favorite points is um lane up pointing out that like every decision Phil makes, it seems that he thinks about how's this going to play on Twitter and like in golf Twitter <laughs> and then whatever, like the craziest, uh, like decision of the two or three that he has, that's the one he chooses. Right. Uh, just, just based on what our reaction will be. And I think that
0: like when he was sliding down the hill on his butt, he was like, Oh man, <laughs> this is going to make a great GIF. Yeah,
1: <laughs> totally. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think that, I think that there's a danger of that going kind of there. You can become like John Daly, right? Right. And I don't like, I don't think Phil is close to that just to be clear. I don't think he's anywhere in that realm, but I think the older you get and the, the more inconsistent you get, the more opportunity there is for that to happen. Now, am I enjoying pretty much every part of it? Yeah, absolutely. And I can't, wait to watch him the next two weeks at the Scottish open and in the open at Carnoustie. Um, but there is a little bit of like, okay, like I could go, you know, two days without Phil doing something insane.
0: yeah, I'm, I gotta say Sundays Sunday was the one and I wasn't watching it live, but I was checking in on golf slack. And then I I came in and, and sort of watched the recap and watched the end of the round. And I, uh, I I'm, I'm throwing my, my alarm bells up. I'm a little worried that Phil Mickelson is, is starting to, starting i'm a big big phil fan and i love the antics but it i don't i don't want it to be a situation where anytime he feels like he doesn't have his game it's gonna be like well now it's time to play me off johnny you know just like it just turns into a total circus show just because it's sunday and he's not able to find what he whatever he was looking for i don't uh, know we'll see And really, uh, we've all been there. We've all been standing over the golf ball, uh, not really able to find whatever it is we're looking for, but there is someone who can help you and that is the lessons that you can get from Top Golf's certified instructors. That's right, at Top Golf, they do lessons differently because it's not dry, it's not something that's boring. Know all the things that you love about having fun at Top Golf. You can also experience those when you go to Top Golf and you get a lesson from one of the certified instructors. Those certified instructors not only help you improve your game, but they want you to have a great time too. So you can sip, snack, swing, and play better with Top Golf Coach. So book a lesson today at topgolf.com slash lessons. Once again, that's topgolf.com slash lessons so that you can set up a time with one of their certified instructors and start shaving strokes off your game today.
1: Real real quick before we move on from the the money match, I wanted to ask you this. How does this change the way that you view the sort of relationship that Tiger and Phil have displayed for the last nine months or so?
0: 100% differently.
1: Um, right. Doesn't it, doesn't it feel a little bit more like, um, businessy or contrived?
0: Yes. Contrived. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're both the, the, the fact that they didn't play well together was, uh, the other thing that had me kind of sell all my stock in thinking that they were going to be able to film some buddy cop show, you know, like they, they got paired together, and then they both played yeah. poorly, and then Tiger played better when he wasn't playing with Phil in the super group. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. "Well, now nah, I don't want it anymore. I don't want them. I don't want any more of these Tiger Phil super groups because uh, good golf did not come from it. And I don't know what that means or if it had any impact on it, but yeah, I'm. I I am. Uh, I'm definitely feeling like they have recognized um, that they are like. Like at some point during their uh, it during their marital issues, you know, like Beyonce and Jay Z looked at each other and they were like, "Well, you know, this is way better for both of us if we're together, right?"
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Tiger and Phil's marital issues, by <laughs> <No. way. laughs>
0: but but I mean, it's it is mutually beneficial for them to be existing in the same
1: plane cordially. So yeah, um, yeah. I agree with you. It feels. I think, I think that a lot of like their trash talking friendship, I, I think there's a lot like as, as real as Tiger's friendships get, I think, I think there's some like genuineness there, but there, to me, there's a little, there's like a, a little sliver of sadness for me. And I think the reason for that is that, and we talked about this last week with kind of Tiger and Kobe is like. This feels a little like a business decision mm-hmm. to like be buddy buddy. I'm not. I don't think that completely. Like I'm not saying it's staged or anything like that. I think that there's genuineness there, but there's also like a one eye on the future, kind of kind of high stakes business decision at hand. Yeah. And the reason the reason that makes me sad is because it's clear to both of them and to everyone that this is. I don't know if it's the beginning of the end, but we're somewhere in the vicinity of it,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. And so
1: they're looking at 10 years from now, like, what's this going to look like? 15 years from now, what's this going to look like? And so there's, I think there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, there's just a little bit of sadness of that era sort of being over and and just trying to figure out what the next one looks like. You know, the the end of an era and the the beginning of a new one.
0: Well, while we're staying cynical, did you? What was your instant reaction at Kevin Na getting texted by Tiger mid interview?
1: My my, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, right, I
0: was, I was like, he's like, yeah, I almost imagined Tiger like scrambling for his phone to text yeah. him or something.
1: My my instant reaction was one: Tiger has Kevin Na's phone number. <laughs> He's got all no nah, he's got everyone's
0: number. You know cuz that's like Yeah. I mean that was the the like every that's everyone's um like the the fact that Tiger tweets a lot or you know like the, that seems to fall in line with what we'd heard from other players was that Tiger was always texting when he was hurt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh and then my second reaction um was Tiger's watching the final round of the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I know he's you know obsessed with this stuff but it's pretty pretty high level of dedication there he uh, have you ever, did you ever hear the um it was on one of the barstool podcasts where svp had to call tiger
0: uh in like the middle of the podcast
1: yeah because uh-uh. they played the game where you have to call the most famous person in your phone i mean i'm no doubt for scott van pelt i would assume it's tiger woods it's Tiger Woods, and so he called him. No answer. Tiger calls him back, like in the in the middle of the podcast. And SV, SVP is trying to explain like why he called. And he, the whole thing is pretty hilarious. So it's just it's funny to imagine Tiger interacting with other humans the way that you and I do by texting and calling people. Hi, I don't Scott. know why that's funny, but it is. Hey
0: Scott, sorry, Mr. Call. Well, I know exactly. Do you know want to want to know why? I know actually know exactly. What uh, Tiger probably sounds like on the phone is because of that voicemail. Hey, Mm. it's me, Tiger. (laughs) He said, it's me, Tiger.
1: Yeah, not Uh, good.
0: My wife's going to call pretty soon.
1: Yeah, (laughs) pretty soon.
0: Wasn't that what it was? He was was like, my my wife found your number in my phone. She's probably going to call you pretty soon.
1: I don't remember. I I wasn't. I mean, I remember all that stuff, but I wasn't like deep into it because I wasn't covering uh, golf. I wasn't covering anything yet. I was still in college or I was just out of college. Maybe
0: um, I was working for a sports blog. And as soon as that voicemail came out, mm-hmm. I mean, I might have saved an MP, a hard copy MP3 on my old computer. It was so funny to me, which is not funny. <laughs> but again, 2009, long time ago, much less sure. Yeah. Yeah. um all right speaking of the Greenbrier, kevin nod this is a huge moment uh you shared the video you, you can go to at kyle porter cbs if you want to see um just a, a cool moment Had, have you gotten translated what he said in korean to the audience
1: somebody jumped in my replies and said that he basically was just thanking koreans for supporting him mm-hmm. i think which was sort of contextually what you thought he was saying but Obviously you and I don't know Korean. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a cool moment, dude. I I thought it was I don't know. I just thought it was legit.
0: Um what do you think? I mean, so he sh- he sh- shoots a 64, gets into the clubhouse. He's clear of the re- the rest of the field. Um what'd you see from his game here that uh that, that made it seem like things clicked for him?
1: Well, to me, I, I thought the biggest thing for him was just the way he started on Sunday. We've seen... I mean, everybody's seen the numbers. Like, whatever it is. 35 top 10s, between wins. Like, it just feels like you could name 10 tournaments that you're like, wow, Kevin Nod didn't win that tournament? Like, I feel like there's been like six uh, Valero Texas Opens that I thought he won, but he he actually didn't. Um, He was awesome in... Ev- he was top 10 in every strokes gained area except for driving. So... Approach shots, uh, tee to green, putting, and around the green. And, dude, I, I just – I was go – Kelly Kraft said this after the round. He's like, I didn't play that badly. You just run into somebody who's putting like that on Sunday. And I always think about, again, like what if golf tournaments were 90 holes? What if they were 54 holes? Like it, it's just such an arbitrary number that they're 72. And if, and if, if you put really well on a Sunday and you're kind of in the mix after the first three rounds – you're probably going to win. Yeah. And so again, the goal is to, the goal is not to, um, necessarily shoot like a 62 on a Sunday. The goal is to give yourself a ton of opportunities on a Sunday. And one of them's going to go your way just based on statistics, just based on the numbers. And, uh, that finally happened for him. And, you know, I, I just my my biggest takeaway from him breaking down and stuff was winning is a big deal. Yeah, you know we we and I I tweeted about this, but like we look at JT and Spieth and and all these guys and we're like, oh yeah, you know, we win all the time. I mean that that's like a that's like a life altering event for most PGA Tour pros. And Kevin Na is on the high end of this. Like he is someone that that if you've had Kevin Na's career you've had a really, really successful, good PGA tour career. And I think that gets lost because we're like, Oh, Kevin, no. Nah, yeah. He's won twice. Well, yeah, but he's been on the PGA tour for like 15 years and he's made $26 million. And, uh, so I don't know. I just, I don't want that part of the PGA tour to get lost just cause we're focusing on like 11 guys that, uh, that we feel like matter.
0: Well, Kyle, if you're a true golf fan and if you want to focus on much more than just those 11 guys, well, then you have got to get a Roku streaming player. It's a device that you plug into your TV and you unlock thousands of live streaming and on-demand channels, including the stellar CBS Sports app. It's awesome if you have any subscriptions to any of the professional sports league apps because they're all available on the Roku platform to stream right to your TV. And even if you don't have those premium subscriptions, Roku is an awesome way to catch your favorite local teams live with apps through many of the cable providers. Plus, of course, Roku has access to all the movies and TV shows that you could want with more than 500,000 available across free and paid channels. So check them out because Roku streaming players start at just twenty nine ninety nine for the basic player or got that big screen TV, you might want to spring for the higher end players because they can stream in 4K and HDR. Roku is great for you or it could make an awesome gift too. So visit Roku.com, that's R-O-K-U.com to learn more and start streaming today. Once again, that's Roku.com, R-O-K-U.com and start streaming today. I also like to think about the man, those those players who are able to return, like they it takes so long to get the first win, but then you're able to return and come back and yeah. keep battling. Like those that the endurance and the perseverance and the challenges that go through all those years, like that that is the, the lost sweat, I think, that falls below the radar on the PGA tour. It's like what all of the work that was put in and all the investment on his part, like this is a this this is a golfer who might not win again on the PGA Tour, right. and like you said, he he's not going to look back at any of it as a failure based on uh, the what he had been able to do. Even if the rewards of winning have only come twice, he's got to know that the the fruits of his labor have paid off in other ways as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's what like winning is overrated. I I wholeheartedly believe that. It's also kind of underrated in some ways, but I think it's mostly overrated. And keeping your keeping your PGA Tour card for right. however many years in a row is underrated. Charles Howell, nineteen years in a row—that's underrated. That's a big deal. And uh yeah, it it is like I think about um, Chesson Hadley last year. You know, he he he's on the PGA tour for a while, bounces back to the web.com, wins a bunch of times and plays really well. And just the emotions that go along with that, because your whole life for all these guys, they've been the best. They were the best in junior golf. They're the best in college. Like they've just, they're just the best players. And then you get out on the PGA tour and it's like, holy crap. Like I'm like the 111th best, which is still really good. Right. But it's just, I, yeah, you're totally right about, by the way, I like that I'm advocating for like a 12 man barnstorming tour, and now I'm on my soapbox about the rest of the PGA tour mattering more than, <laughs> than the other guys. I mean, this is I just have,
0: the hypocrisy of the crooked, lamestream media
1: that we've really come to expect. I have no idea what I believe, if anybody can't tell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, like your career is. Um, there, there's a consistency that Kevin Na displays. Guys like Kevin Na display that is so underappreciated. He's made, he's made two mil or more in eight of the last ten years. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's that's so impressive to do that week in and week out, year in and year out on the PJ Tour. It's so so difficult, and uh, we're reminded of that when guys like Norman Zhang, who's this all everything, all world college player, comes out and misses the cut in his first PGA Tour event. Now, I think Norman Zhang's going to be awesome, but, um, you know, th- this, is, this is the real deal. And uh, so so good on Kevin Na for, uh, you know, it's hard to say hanging in there when he's won 26 mil in his career, but in terms of winning, uh, persevering, and, and getting back in the winner's circle.
0: Who else stood out
1: from the Greenbrier uh, who got good grades? Uh, well, I, I do want to give out... Uh, a shout out to uh, Andy at the fried egg for his, uh, did you see his subject line and the email today? No. Walking on sunshine. Mm. That's good. Uh, walking Neiman. He's going to be on the, on the PGA tour next year.
0: Um, he's locked it up.
1: He has unofficially locked it up. According to Will Gray of golf channel, he has earned it, it, the, the, Rules are very um, difficult to decipher, but essentially he has conditional status or special temporary status on the PGA Tour, which means he's not really a PGA Tour member, but he's earned enough FedEx cut points that by the end of the season, he will have more than uh, whoever finishes 125th, and therefore he will have a PGA Tour card for 2018-19.
0: And he's just 21, right?
1: 19. Oh, he's your boy. Yeah. He'll be 20 in November.
0: Um, see, I thought, uh, walking on sunshine was also, uh, a reference to a North Carolina based energy drink sunshine of which Harold Varner had (laughs) uh, a relationship with at one time and may still have. I was, I was heartbroken to see my boy drop a 72 on Sunday. It was a good tournament. That was, that was another one where I was watching the, into the final round and then talking about it uh, with my dad. And I was like, that's that's another – it takes X amount of years to really learn how to win a golf tournament when you shoot 66, yeah. 64, 66, and you go out on Sunday and you're in the final group. And then, like, you don't play bad. You just don't have it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, same thing with Kelly Kraft. I mean, those two guys are – I think they've played the same number of PGA Tour events, and it's just like, man, it's just hard to win. I mean, going back to the Kevin Na conversation, it's just – you know, and I think I think that we maybe don't pay enough attention to I, I love that the open does the qualifying series thing. Where it's like, okay, if you're if you're top so the last two tournaments I think it's been if you're the top four that haven't already qualified, you get in the open. And so you're still playing for something. It's not like an all or nothing, I won or I didn't. It's not binary. It's yeah, I didn't win, but I did get in the open. That's a that's a huge deal for a lot of these guys. For sure. And, so Kelly Kraft got in. Uh, Snedeker got in. I, I can't. I think Varner got in. And no, he missed a putt that could have gotten him in. That's right. Who else got in? I don't even remember. <clears throat> I know Sam Saunders just missed out. Um,
0: yeah, he threw that eight iron to the back of the green. Still had a long birdie putt. Jim Nance set it up. He was like this to get to Carnoustie. Left yeah, yeah, it short. you're right.
1: Mm. Uh, Kokrak, maybe Austin Cook. Got a spot? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just making up names now, but yeah, top four that don't that aren't already in the uh, the open get in, and that's a that's a cool kind of subplot to some of these tournaments leading up to the third major.
0: And that is, uh, and that's on the European and PGA tour. So, like, can right you will be able to play your way in from the John Deere on the PGA tour or the Scottish Open on the European tour this coming week?
1: Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, did you watch the Irish Open at all?
0: I did not watch the Irish Open. I did see that we had uh, was it Russell Knox and a fox.
1: Uh, Knox in box, fox in socks. That's the Dr. Seuss book. That was old. That was an all-time tweet from from uh, front of the pod, Sean Martin. Yeah, but
0: uh, <laughs> I did. I didn't get a chance to uh, watch the coverage though. What what'd you think?
1: Uh, it was it was great. I mean, I love just seeing those different courses. I I don't. Sometimes I don't think they play as well on TV as they actually are, and 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 part of that is me me taking from uh, having played Trinity Forest that, and then watching it. When I watched it, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really look that great. But having played it, you're like, this is the greatest course I've ever played, you know. And so, is it I because it, of the think,
0: contours? Like you just, it, I don't know if contours is the right word, but just like the the way that you see the terrain laid out, just. The, the cameras and the positions don't really give you the full ups and downs and the way everything twists and turns.
1: Yeah. Because court great courses have subtle, like they're great because they're, they're subtly great. Right. Like you, you don't like the green tilts this way, but the pins over here and the wind usually blows this way. Like there's literally no way to get that to translate on television. And yet when you're playing it, you're like, oh, I could hit this club. I could run, you know, a six iron up there. Like there's just a million different things. And so I don't know how you make that translate better. I think it takes a lot of work on the TV side to do it well, Um, which usually happens at the Open, but it's harder at at a place like the Irish Open or Scottish Open. But uh, yeah, Russell Knox hitting 240 footers to win it was pretty cool. Um, Danny Willett played well. Ooh. Yeah, just out out of out of the abyss. Uh Rory couldn't putt. He gained like 7 strokes tee to green on day 1 and shot like 2 under. We're starting to we're starting
0: to tally up with some of our uh some of the the, the dirty dozen, the the mo- the names that matter. We're starting to tally up a lot of these like um if you gain this many strokes, you should win. Like I feel like that's that's gaining seven strokes T to green. That's a you should win statistic, and I feel yeah, like we've had yes. that a couple of times where it's like, like he gained eight strokes uh, putting. Well, you should win when or like that. You, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, you're right. He he was actually asked after the tournament if you if you were given like like before the tournament, somebody said you only take a hundred putts this week. Like that's how many putts you or you will take and he's like oh well if i hit it decently then i'd win every week (laughs) and i was like yeah no kidding and that's true of you know dj speed like it those guys are so good uh from t to green that if they if they put if they put well they're gonna win if they put average they're gonna have a shot at winning Uh, but a lot of times they put below average
0: next week. We'll be getting in dirty with uh, the full open championship preview. What's your initial uh, gut feeling on where you have uh, Rory at right now?
1: Oh, sort of like uh, what was to sort of like, uh, sort of like last year to where he, he makes the cut, but isn't leading. Gets a little hot on Saturday and Sunday uh, or Sunday, one of the two. So it gets a little fun at like four AM <laughs> our time. Right. But then ultimately finishes like T nineteen or yeah. something.
0: I don't I don't I, I mean, don't have a lot of good vibes. I'm not gonna be backing Rory in any of my pools or making no. him as any of my expert picks. Not it no. just doesn't feel like the year for him.
1: I mean, I, I read this thing by Brentley Romine on Golf Week today. Uh, it, was, it was solid. It was about the toughest majors of the last 25 years. And Carnoustie 99 was number one. It was like an average of five and a half strokes over par was the average round. That doesn't scream Rory's going to win uh, <laughs> this tournament. <laughs> I, I mean, it just, you know, we talked about this with Shinnecock, like, Firm and fast, difficult windy conditions. It just it doesn't it doesn't scream uh Rory five time major winner.
0: Yeah, definitely not. Um you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Make sure you go and hit that subscribe button because uh, we'll be coming at you with the Open Championship picks and preview next week. Uh, if you are already a subscriber and you haven't given us a rating, go ahead and give us those five stars. That'd be awesome. You know, it's a, you're a five-star listener, and so you deserve to be able to offer up five stars for this podcast. Uh, make sure you're always watching CBS Sports HQ. That's where you'll find all of the, the lovely content coming from uh, our Muppet faces as we move on the screen. It's available streaming on all OTT devices. Kyle, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Chip. Uh, can't wait for our open preview next week. Whoop.